0: Omega-3 and vitamin D supplements are thought to be effective in decreasing heart attack, stroke, and diabetes. 10% of the population currently takes an omega-3 supplement, and nearly 40% take vitamin D. The promising outcomes we've come to know are the results of secondary prevention trials and studies that are not necessarily all-encompassing. In September 2009, Dr. Joanne Manson and her colleagues set out to conduct the first large-scale randomized controlled trial of the real impact of these supplements. With the vital study findings recently published, Dr. Manson returns to Think Research to discuss the results. Dr. Joanne Manson is a professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School and the chief of the Division of Preventive Medicine in the Department of Medicine at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Dr. Manson, thank you for joining us. Good to be here. So in 2017, you uh, discussed with us the beginnings of the VITAL study, and it's now March of 2019, and the findings have been published. Could you remind us what the VITAL study is?
1: The vitamin D and omega-3 trial, VITAL, is a large-scale, randomized, placebo-controlled trial of two promising nutritional supplements, vitamin D and omega-3 fatty acids, the marine omega-3s, in the primary prevention of cancer and cardiovascular disease. We recruited a very uh, diverse nationwide study population, all 50 states, nearly 26,000 Americans, about half men, half women. We have 5,000 African-Americans in the trial. And we uh, mailed to them uh, dietary supplements in a calendar packs, so most of the trial could be conducted by mail. But we also had a subset having in-clinic visits with very detailed uh, phenotyping.
0: Okay, so this trial was looking at specifically omega-3 and vitamin D. And what, um, what made you want to conduct this trial?
1: Well, both of these uh, dietary supplements have looked promising. Um, For vitamin D, there is a large body of observational research suggesting that a low blood level of vitamin D is linked to many chronic diseases, higher risk of heart disease, stroke, cancer, diabetes, and on and on. But there haven't been really large-scale randomized clinical trials testing whether if you supplement with vitamin D, do you uh, reduce the risk of these chronic diseases. And in fact, the randomized trials that have been done have been largely lower doses than the 2,000 IUs a day, and they've had mixed and conflicting results.
0: And 2,000 IUs a day is what a supplement that you buy in a store, supermarket, would generally contain?
1: You can easily get 2,000 IUs a day in a single um, supplement. Uh, they also have 1,000 IUs a day pills and uh, even larger amounts. Uh, some some of the supplements on the market are 5,000 IUs a day or even more. But we thought that 2,000 IUs a day would be the best balance of safety and efficacy.
0: And you said you also uh, looked at... Um, Omega 3s and marine omega 3s. What um, were you, what was the evidence that was out there that you wanted to test for omega 3s?
1: For the marine omega 3s, EPA and DHA, there had been more randomized clinical trial evidence, but it was largely in high risk populations. It was in secondary prevention trials, those who already have a history of heart disease or stroke, or was in high risk. Uh, patients who have a history, for example, of diabetes or lipid disorders uh, selected on risk factor status. But there hadn't been a large-scale randomized trial in a usual risk population that wasn't selected on the basis of having a special risk factors. Also, for the omega-3, some of the earlier uh, trials in high-risk populations had been promising, but the more recent trials had not suggested any clear benefits for cardiovascular disease. But there was some evidence from clinical and laboratory studies that the marine omega-3s could reduce inflammation and also lower triglyceride levels and decrease blood clotting and even reduce the risk of irregular heart rhythms.
0: Okay, so these supplements, based on some of the evidence that was out there, seemed like they could have a really big impact on health if these effects could be, um, or if this evidence could be um, confirmed.
1: There was promising evidence for both of these supplements, and also these are very commonly used supplements. So for the omega-3s or fish oil, about 10% of the population is taking these supplements. We need to understand the balance of benefits and risks. And for vitamin D, nearly 40% are taking some, at least a small amount of vitamin D in a multivitamin or a calcium vitamin D supplement or some uh, supplemental form.
0: Right. And in milk, there's foods that are fortified fortified with vitamin D. And there
1: are many foods that are fortified with Mm -hmm. vitamin D as well. Mm -hmm. So um,
0: now that the vital trial has been running and you've collected some, you've got some results in, what have you found so far?
1: So, we've recently published our findings for the primary endpoints of cancer and cardiovascular disease. Those were co equal um, endpoints. And what we found for the omega 3s was actually a complex finding. For our primary cardiovascular endpoint, which was a composite of heart attack, stroke, and cardiovascular death, we found only a small 8%, but non-significant, not a statistically significant reduction. For our pre-specified secondary endpoint of heart attack, myocardial infarction, we did see a statistically significant 28% reduction in risk, but did not see a significant reduction in the other secondary endpoints of stroke or total cardiovascular death. So overall, there was a very promising finding for heart attack, um, but not for the other components or the main uh, composite endpoint. What was particularly interesting to us was that there was some biological plausibility of the findings in that when we looked at the baseline fish intake and split it right at the median, uh, those who had above versus below um, the average intake, which was 1.5 servings of fish per week, we did see a significant 19% reduction in the primary composite endpoint of major cardiovascular events in those who had low fish consumption at baseline. And we also saw a 40% reduction in heart attack in that group whereas those who started out with above average fish consumption already getting at least one and a half servings of fish per week there were only negligible if any reductions in cardiovascular risk We also saw a signal for a greater reduction in African Americans greater uh, reduction in heart attack and cardiovascular events in the African-American group than in the others for heart attack it was a statistically significant significant. significant 77% reduction um, in the African American group. But of course, this needs to be replicated. And there's been very little research on the role of omega-3 fatty acids in African-Americans. So we we need to know, is this a chance finding or is this a very real benefit that might be uh, derived among African-Americans? So among the African-Americans, we did have strong statistical significance in the findings for heart attack. And this reduction in heart attack was seen irrespective of their dietary fish intake. So whether they had low intake or high intake of fish, there was about a 70 plus percent or greater Hmm. reduction in heart attack. So even though it was a relatively small number of heart attacks in this group, it was still a strongly statistically significant finding, but it needs to be replicated. And in fact, we would like to move forward with a second trial that has a substantial number of African Americans where we can see if uh, there is a reduction in major cardiovascular events and heart attack with the omega-3 uh, supplements.
0: And why did you want to separately look at heart attack by itself?
1: We pre-specified that we wanted to look at the components of the primary endpoints separately, okay. because there are some differences in risk factors mm-hmm. for heart disease and stroke. And in fact, over as the research has evolved for the omega-3s, it appears that there's a greater coronary benefit than stroke benefit.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, so you, sp- you spoke about the uh, findings for the omega-3s. Um, now, what about the vitamin D?
1: For vitamin D, we also saw a promising signal, but the overall results for the primary endpoints of major cardiovascular events and total invasive cancer were not statistically uh, significant. So for uh, cardiovascular events, we saw no clear reduction. There really was very little effect of the vitamin D on risk of heart attack, stroke, or cardiovascular death. For total invasive cancer, we saw only a small but not statistically significant reduction. But where we started to see a signal was for cancer death. And during the full follow-up period, we saw a 17% reduction that was borderline significant but did not quite make statistical significance. But given the long latency period of cancer and the development of death from cancer, we had pre-specified that we would take into account latency period. And for cancer incidence, the results did show um, greater reduction, but still not statistically significant. However, for cancer death, among those who had been in the trial for at least two years, there was a a statistically significant 25% reduction in cancer death. Now, again, this needs to be replicated. And it could be a chance finding. But there have been other trials also suggesting a signal for a cancer death benefit of vitamin D. And a previous meta-analysis of all of the earlier trials suggested that signal as well. With all the trials combined, it did become a statistically significant reduction in cancer death. Now, why would vitamin D reduce cancer death, but not cancer incidence? And this may be because vitamin D works in very late stages of cancer development and may affect the the tumor biology, making the tumors less invasive, less aggressive, and less likely to metastasize. And under those circumstances, you might see over five years of follow-up that there is a reduction in metastasis rate and the invasiveness of the tumors um, and the severity of, of the cancer, which is reflected by a reduction in cancer death And that was the signal that was apparent and vital. We're now updating the meta-analysis of all the previous trials and looking at, so we're looking in aggregate at whether there is now an even stronger reduction in cancer death, looking at all the the trials combined, and also looking at cancer incidence in the meta-analysis. And that uh, should be published soon
0: so you just talked about vitamin D and possibly having an effect on tumor biology. Was there anything about, um, omega threes that you think is specific to heart attack versus stroke that there's a, um, a, a particular way that omega three affects heart function or, um, vascular function that might lead to that, um, result of, reducing heart attack incidents but not necessarily stroke incidents?
1: Well, some of the benefit of the omega-3s may be through stabilizing heart rhythm and the, er, avoiding ventricular arrhythmias, irregular heart rhythms that can result in heart attack, death, and um, severe cardiac events. And there is evidence in the literature for that, both in terms of uh, clinical and laboratory animal studies and even randomized trials suggesting the strongest signal from the omega-3 trials in aggregate is for coronary heart disease death. Mm -hmm. So the ventricular arrhythmias that would be more relevant to heart disease endpoints than stroke. Also, the effects on let's say, blood clotting can cut both ways with stroke because there are both ischemic and hemorrhagic strokes. Now, we did look separately at the subtypes of stroke and certainly did not see any benefit for hemorrhagic uh, stroke, but there still was no significant reduction in ischemic stroke, even when, separate, when separated out. So I think overall, the mechanisms that have been found um, found for benefit of omega-3s, including the stabilization of heart rhythm and possibly the decreased blood clotting, decreased inflammation, and the lowering of the triglycerides may end up being more relevant for coronary endpoints than stroke. But many of these mechanisms are also relevant to ischemic stroke. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the REDUCE-IT trial, which tested a very high dose, 4 grams of a highly purified EPA um, medication product, did find a significant reduction in all of these cardiovascular endpoints. So the omega-3s may, in fact, at much higher doses, and uh, particularly EPA, may end up being relevant to stroke as well. But this needs to be studied further.
0: And you tested EPA and DHA. Could you talk about the difference between those two?
1: We tested the combination of EPA DHA. In in aggregate we had 460 milligrams of the EPA and 380 milligrams of the DHA. And so a total of 840 milligrams of the um, marine omega-3 fatty acids. And um, there has been more evidence for EPA being relevant to coronary health. Um, However, the DHA has seemed to be perhaps more relevant to cognitive health. And there, there needs to be much more research on this question of what is the optimal ratio, if mm. both are going to be given, of the EPA and the DHA, or for heart health, is EPA alone actually the um, most promising intervention? The REDUCE-IT trial certainly showed a very right. strong uh, benefit.
0: Right. How long have uh, researchers like you been looking at these two supplements?
1: So we've been looking at EPA, DHA, and the marine omega-3s in terms of dietary fish consumption for a a very long time, Mm. for for decades. And many observational studies do show that those who have higher fish consumption have lower risks of heart disease and total cardiovascular disease. Now, some of that may be because fish is replacing less healthful foods, such as red meat, or there's a a generally... uh, a healthy dietary pattern or a healthier dietary pattern in those who have fish. You can try to adjust for other components of the diet and for life, other lifestyle factors, for smoking, physical activity. Um, however, it's very difficult to fully adjust for all of those uh, factors. So this is why the randomized trials are so important.
0: Mm-hmm. Studies like this, they get a lot of coverage in the popular media um, and sometimes headlines can take the same information and two different publications can draw two different conclusions based on the same information um and i think that's true with the vital trials. some headlines say that fish oils reduce cancer and heart disease while other headlines say the opposite why do you think uh the popular media draw different conclusions from the same information
1: So the the vital trial had complex and nuanced findings. And very often with findings like that, the media will go with just one extreme or the other. They will either cover just the positive signals, the favorable findings, Or they will say, overall, because the bottom line of the primary endpoint was not statistically significant, the trial was null. I think this was a challenging study result for the media to cover in a balanced way. Some of the media outlets did do an excellent job. They Acknowledge that the overall findings for the primary pre-specified endpoints were not significantly reduced, but that there were pre-specified endpoints, secondary endpoints, that showed promising signals. And so there was a good balance in their reporting. Others tended to go with just one extreme or another. Also, the reduce it trial, the SEPA medication, was reported at the same American Heart Association meeting and also published in New England Journal at the same time. And I think this led to some confusion about which trial was which when they talked about omega-3s affecting or not affecting cardiovascular disease risk. I think it led to uh, some additional confusion.
0: Do you read these headlines? Do you keep up with that? Or is it something that you're frustrated by? or How do you react to these kind of, this kind of coverage?
1: It can be frustrating to see the lack of balance in a report, or if positive findings are overstated, overemphasized, and there isn't acknowledgement of the negative findings. Um, It can also be frustrating when a report is, totally negative when there were promising signals. And th- that's not being mentioned. So I think it is a challenging balance for the media to reach. And when the media outlet gets it right and does a, a very good job, I'm extremely pleased to to see it. And when they don't, it is, it is frustrating for an investigator.
0: Mm-hmm. What conclusions have you drawn from the vital trial? And what would you say um are some of the conclusions that the public can make or are there any conclusions that the public can make
1: well, first, stay tuned for some additional results from Vital, because we have many other outcomes to look at. We have several ancillary studies, actually a total of more than 20 ancillary studies uh, will be reported over the next six months or so. So we're looking at cognition and diabetes and depression, autoimmune disorders, fractures, infections, many other health outcomes. So people who are on the fence as to whether they should take the supplement or stop taking it, if they're already taking it, may want to stay tuned for this additional research. But at the present time, um, we feel that those who are already taking Vitamin D or omega 3s at these moderate doses, we don't find clear reasons to stop. However, the results are not strong enough to recommend that everyone run out and start to take either high dose vitamin D or omega-3s. Those who may want to talk with their health care provider about whether they're an appropriate candidate would be the groups that particularly benefited for the omega-3s. It would be uh, th- those who have low fish consumption. If it's because of an allergy to fish or because uh, a person is a vegetarian, there are algae-based um, omega-3 supplements. So that would be a group that may want to explore whether um, a supplement could be a benefit. And also, African Americans with the omega 3 findings being quite strong, especially. Uh, those who have multiple risk factors for cardiovascular disease might want to talk with their healthcare providers about it. With vitamin D, those who have bone health problems or malabsorption uh, problems, you know, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, uh, gastric bypass surgery, some of these conditions, it's v- very important mm-hmm. to ensure that you're getting adequate uh, vitamin D. And the clinicians, I think the clinicians. Um, can make the recommendation, even prescribe um, a higher dose vitamin D for those patients. But but generally the recommendations, the public health recommendations that are out there from the Institute of Medicine or the National Academy of Medicine uh, c- continue to, uh, to be appropriate at this time. We hope to explore further um, these findings by doing additional randomized trials, mm-hmm. um, looking to see if we can replicate um, the findings, especially for reduction in heart disease and heart attack. With the omega-3s, there's very substantial reductions seen in African-Americans. So we want to do uh, a trial to uh, try to replicate those, those findings. And for vitamin D, we want to explore further the signal for reduction in cancer death.
0: You said to stay tuned for more data coming out from the vital Mm -hmm. trial. Um, What are, I know there's a lot of endpoints that you're looking at um, in conjunction. So, um, are there any that you're most interested or excited about uh, learning about?
1: We're very excited about many of these findings. Um, For the vitamin D, we really want to look at the heart failure endpoint. And we do have an ancillary study that relates to uh, heart failure. And some of the previous research has been particularly promising for the endpoint of heart failure. The vitamin D may have a benefit in reducing development of heart failure or hospitalizations for heart failure. So so that's one that we have a a special interest. Cognitive function, memory loss. These are outcomes of great interest to us. Uh, Diabetes, strong interest. Mood, depression, um, whether the vitamin D, the omega-3s can influence those outcomes, that's of great interest. Bone health, even with something like osteoporosis and fracture, osteoporotic uh, fractures, the jury is still out in the role of um, moderate dose, moderate to high dose supplementation with a vitamin D alone, vitamin D without um Uh, calcium in combination. And so those findings will be very interesting. I would say in general, we are interested in all of these outcomes. We're even looking at macular degeneration and some of the eye disease outcomes. And these are all really important health problems. And we are most interested in seeing whether vitamin D or omega-3s can reduce the risk of these conditions.
0: If people want to learn more, um, where would you recommend they they go to learn more about the results from the VITAL trial?
1: So there are two publications in New England Journal, a separate paper on the vitamin D and on on the omega-3 results covering both cardiovascular disease and cancer. Um, we also have a website on the vital study that can provide additional information about what's next for the study and those who might be interested in collaborating on projects, there are PDFs of the questionnaires and the forms to submit for you know, proposing a manuscript or proposing a, uh, an ancillary study. It might be of interest to um, investigators And we also post some of the media articles the public might be interested in looking at. And and the website is um, vitalstudy.org. Great.
0: All right, well, Dr. Manson, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have this conversation with you.
1: Thank you. Great talking with you.
0: Next time on Think Research. We have a longitudinal study with Harvard College athletes. And what we're seeing is exactly, biochemically speaking, what we're seeing anecdotally in the players, which is that those changes in glutamate levels actually take longer to go back down to normal in girls than it does in in men. That to me really illustrates the point that uh, these gender differences are really critical to to better understand. Dr. Alex Lin of Brigham and Women's Hospital discusses his recent work on traumatic brain injury. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, Please rate us on iTunes and help us spread the word about the amazing research taking place across the Harvard community. To learn more about the guests on this episode, visit our website, catalyst.harvard.edu thinkresearch.